Welcome to the Sharks MTG podcast. My name is Bob Perfect and I am one of your hosts. Joining me as always is Karan Chetty. How's it going, Karan? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Bob. How are you, mate? Ah, I'm actually pretty good. Like uh, this roller coaster I'm on is on a high at the moment. We'll, pro- we'll probably go back down soon enough, but uh, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling energized. I'm feeling like I've got a plan for the future. Yourself? Oh, that's that's very good. I, I I'm trying to figure out um, what's what to do next with life, so I'm busy busy with that. So I'm in the opposite end of of that roller coaster spectrum. So oh, um, next, yeah, yeah. Next week it'll be different. You'll you'll be on top. <laughs> I'll be at the bottom. Right. Yeah. Cool. So you've brought on one of your guests from your many travels, uh, someone who you have known for a long time, who you see at many of the pro tours and GPs. Who have you brought from your rogues gallery this time, Karan? Yeah, someone uh, I, I thought it'd be a very cool guest because uh, this guy is um, he's a multiple time national champion. He's a he's a GP champion. Um, and, you know, apart from those accolades, he also happens to be, I mean, a, a magic store owner. I, I think he's was the distributor, if I'm not mistaken, in his country for magic at some point as well. And just an all-round uh, nice guy. So there's there's lots of and similarities as well between his country and ours in terms of the location and sort of proximity and being far away from everything. Um, so I thought, you know, uh, our audience can relate and his audience could relate to some of our stories. So, yeah, uh, happy to introduce Yusuf Kamal Pfeffer to the show. Welcome, Yusuf. Uh, thank you. Uh, it's good to be here. Thanks for your nice words. Uh, yeah, I have been around for, for around 25 to 26 years with Magic. I love the game and it's been almost all my life. I mean, like my friends are Magic players. My business is Magic. My biggest hobby is Magic. So it's it's been going on like that. So what should we talk about? I mean, like uh, learn about the situation in like Turkey. Or uh, I mean, like probably. Okay. Well, I guess there's, there's a number. Of things, there's, there's a number of things, right? So I guess I guess maybe first and foremost, we can talk about like how how this you know coronavirus and how it's affecting you, and is there any impact in in Turkey at the moment? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, we started a bit late. Uh, I guess uh, I don't know the real reason. I mean, if they uh, just didn't want people to learn, or if it really came later. Uh, I don't know uh, the real reason, but it started around the uh, 17th or 18th of March. So uh, the first uh, people uh, with Corona was seen around that, and then it quickly escal- ex- ex- uh, escalated. But I think they had a good control system and good uh, health organization uh, was ready for that. So. Uh, yeah, it affected us quite, quite big and uh, especially like businesses like ours and like the hobby, gaming, etc. Uh, they were all uh, limited to just getting customers. Uh, we started lockdowns on weekends. The people under 20 or over 65 
were fully quarantined. They are in lockdown. They cannot uh, leave their houses. Uh, and uh, it is kind of logical, especially for uh, people over 65, because, you know, it's uh, much, much more dangerous for them. And uh, as we don't have any organized play, we are just uh, making some sales based on usually Internet. Uh, it's uh, web store uh, sales usually. Uh, but uh, numbers are going down at the moment. So we are expecting uh, phase by phase opening of the stores and uh, they already opened some stores uh, this weekend and they are starting to open more phases in june and july probably we'll be in like a new normal in july or august i guess so yeah mm -hmm. it, it's it's a weird thing i mean like for me it's easier because i'm a gamer so i can stay home and play games but uh, for business, it's terrible. And for most of the people are uh, really depressed and they are bored. Yeah, and, and that's like still being allowed. As you say, like, the majority of people are allowed out on the weekdays, Monday to Friday. So you're still able to function. Society is still able to function fairly, fairly normally, I guess, uh, compared to South Africa, where we, we've been pretty much, you know, in this quite a severe lockdown now for since since the end of March, since the 27th of March. I mean, um, lots of businesses, including mine, have just not been open at all uh, during this period. Um, you know, people aren't allowed to leave their homes unless um, you're in an industry that's allowed to work. Um, and yeah, it's very difficult. <laughs> it's very difficult. There's no online sales. From the gaming side, all the game stores here basically are closed and they can't they can't even do online retail. That's not even allowed. So very different in South Africa. Of course, it sounds terrible, but the thing is, uh, it might be better. I'm not sure because, I mean, everybody is talking, you know, there there are lots of professors in TV talking about different stuff. There are different opinions, but there is this uh, version of it as well. Like they say, if we had full lockdown for like two months, uh, it would be much easier to get rid of the virus. But of course, I'm not sure if it works like that. Uh, some people are and some uh, experts are saying that and some are saying, no, it doesn't work like that. And uh, of course, there is the economic side. So I believe uh, we don't have full lockdown because of the economy. I mean, uh, you know, uh, the government uh, cannot pay everyone uh, enough uh, if we are in full lockdown. So they try to keep uh, some of the economy uh, running and uh, some of it they stopped and locked. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I'm hoping that it will soon get better for all the world. <laughs> yeah, it's something that's probably going to take a while and it's hard to know what the correct thing to do is. There's so much information out there. There's so much misinformation out there at the moment that we all just have to like kind of just grin our teeth and bear it. But let's let's go back to better times, to happier times, to I want to know how did uh, you and Quran meet, Yusuf? Ah, uh, yeah, it's been I just don't remember the exact year which words was it, but please correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Kiran. Uh, so it was, I think, like four or five years ago in the words, the World Magic Cup. Do you remember the exact date, Kiran? I, I don't. And, and to be honest with you, I, I, I just remember seeing you at basically every event I ever went to. I recall <laughs> yeah. seeing you and, and, and getting paired up against you on quite a few occasions as well <laughs> in events. But yeah, 
So yeah, uh, it was probably the first time it was one of the World Championships, World Magic. Uh, we met in lots of events with Kiran. I mean, and uh, at some point uh, we became friends and we started like going to GPs together and uh, like making a team or uh, at least hanging around uh, together. So yeah, it, it's been at least five years, maybe more. I I loved it because uh, it's you know very very far from you know Turkey, South Africa, and it's although there are similarities, it's a different culture, and it's lovely to, lovely to have uh, friends uh, from around the world, and and that's one of the good uh, sides, uh, the best parts of magic because like you know you meet people around, and you learn about their countries, their cultures, and their perspectives. Uh, and uh, you try to uh, tell yours to them and tell your country, your life, your culture, etc. Uh, I, I like this side of magic a lot. Just the, the traveling side, the getting to know other people's side, the see the play play the game, see the world side, essentially. Yeah, yeah, it's it. I think it was a. I mean, I don't know. They don't use it that much anymore. But it was a great motto. I loved it when they started using it because it's like for many people like me, it's uh, one of the uh, motivating things. Uh, this, it's like I I saw it and I said, yeah, why don't I go to more Grand Prix, see the world more? Like, uh, just for magic, I visited, let's say, uh, at least ten countries that. I wouldn't normally probably visit, uh, so uh, it added a lot uh, to my knowledge. You know, uh, that's quite a good motto. Is, isn't so it amazing? The, I think they they stopped using that that motto maybe ten years ago, and it's something you speak to anyone who's been in the game for a long time. It's we all recall it and we all talk about it still. You know, play the game, see the world. Which shows how how I guess how successful that was and what an integral how it sums up magic I guess and and our relationship with it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's as as I said, I think it's one of the most successful mottos they used. So I don't know why don't they use it anymore. Uh, maybe they don't uh, push that much on semi-professional or professional organized play anymore. So uh, they have a different plan now. Uh, although I believe that there will always be this uh, professional organized play and, and etc., they try to uh, soften uh, some things, I guess. Like, for example, making uh, the names of Grand Prix uh, Magic Fests because they want to bring more people into game. They don't want people to be afraid of the competitive side of Magic, I guess. Which I think is successful, by the way. I mean, I was first a bit worried, but I understood what they were doing uh, uh, after some uh, time. And I think it's successful. It makes a lot of sense when you know, like, the like you listen to store owners talk. Like, I mean, I assume you'll agree with it, but maybe you won't. That casual players are a large portion of you know, magic. They are the people who keep the game going in a lot of ways. And whilst competitive players think that they are the brand and they are the main focus, and in a lot of ways, that's what you see. You know, that's what you see online because that's what's pushed. From what I understand, casual play is what actually pays for everything. Have you seen that that's for yourself? Definitely, that's true. But uh, for example, for Turkey, uh, for years, it was different. 
I mean, like, unlike U.S. or big magic countries, uh, I mean, like, number-wise, uh, like U.S., Italy, Japan, these are, like, uh, very big countries for Magic the Gathering population and sales. Uh, these uh, countries have, like, let's say, 95, 99% casual players. But for Turkey, yep. it was uh, almost vice versa. So, like, in Turkey, at some point, 90% of Magic players were competitive. And it was so funny because, like, think about it. Like, you go to a pre-release in, like, U.S. with 1,000 players. And if you ask people uh, how many players have been to Pro Tour, uh, you can see that one player is or two player is raising hand. But in Turkey, you go to, like, 50 people, 60 people pre-releases. And when you ask the same question, like, uh, let's say five years ago or 10 years ago, it was, like, uh, 20% or at least like 15% of those players, that would be like eight people's raising hands. So it was uh, incredible, uh, but also very bad because for business, and uh, I understood later that it's both for community and for business, it's bad. Because without the casual players spending money, uh, you cannot have enough professional players or you cannot keep going with as a store. Because like, you know, uh, including myself, I have been player, shop owner, distributor. I've been in all sides of it. So basically, I was, at after some point, I never spent much on Magic. Uh, like, even like, yeah. You pay an entry fee. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, only the entry fee. And I was, like, winning the tournament or something like that and getting lots of boosters or store credit. So basically, yeah, I didn't need to spend. I could use that store credit for the next tournament, even not even the entry fee, because it was just like a chain, you know, like winning the first tournament and going on like that, making another top eight, top four, or winning again. And I noticed that these kind of players like me wasn't spending much money. And uh, because uh, we are a bit too competitive maybe uh, we were thinking that this is good I mean I'm not even spending any money etc uh, that's when everybody thinks like this the stores uh, cannot make any money and you cannot have many new players many because when the new player comes uh, you know thinking about it like there are so many uh, competitive and professional players uh, he feels you know bad because he loses all the time and uh, th then he leaves. So we understood that uh, at some point we understood this and we started to have more casual gaming. Like I still didn't play even one commander game. Uh, that's, I know that's a shame, but you know, it's me. I cannot, <laughs> so basically, but I noticed that it's very good for, especially like for example, singles. And I, because for years for, you know, until it started going up, I didn't understand why is this card like $20? It was 10 cents before. So, and they said, oh, it's because of Commander. And then again and again and again. And when they repeated this like a few hundred times, I understood it was a good thing. <laughs> I, it took some time for me, but yeah, we started organizing to, uh, Commander days, not tournaments, but, you know, stuff like that. And we noticed that numbers are growing with those players. And some of those casual players do become more competitive players. They do add to your big tournament numbers at some point because otherwise you stay with like, let's say, 100 
or 200 or 100 players, something like that, all the time. And uh, at some point, people even get bored of playing with the same player. So they want new, uh, fresh players. So, yeah, uh, it's very important. Casual play uh, is the way to improve the uh, professional or competitive organized play as well. Have you seen have you seen any players go the other way go from being like super competitive to now just being like the commander end boss very few yeah there it's it's yeah it did happen but uh, I mean like it happens like um when usually when they have when they get married and they have children uh, yeah. it go it might go like that because like you know do you start playing with your ch- children or like stuff like that and then you don't have enough time as well so and when you start playing uh, magic with your children especially uh, you don't want to be competitive you know it's not good i know myself i i mean they told years ago they said would you like to teach this little fella uh, how to play <laughs> magic and then after like 20 minutes he started crying so so <laughs> i i know that from experience, it's not good. I mean, yeah, I shouldn't be competitive. They asked me, and I said I I play normally, but he lost, so I didn't do anything. So it doesn't work like that. So then you understand. And when you have children, then I guess that's one of the most important things. It becomes one of the most important things in your life, and you start looking things a bit differently. I saw a few guys, uh, yeah, started playing. Uh, more casually or totally casually after that and after some point even i sometimes feel that it's too stressing like mm, i noticed this happens after some time you start you need at least uh, sometimes to play some things casually like for me in some gps if i don't make day two i play two headed giant sealed it's just it's my guilty pleasure, you know. I, I, I play to the giant, have fun, do stupid combos. I mean, for me, they are stupid combos. Maybe they are good combos, but I mean, like, normally I wouldn't do stuff like that. But uh, I understand those people because it's at some point competitive or semi-professional or professional magic is stressful and you need to uh, feel relaxed as well. So uh, I think it's like that. It's either... Too much uh, competitive magic makes you go a bit casual or like having a family, children and other priorities, I guess. Yeah. And you, usually from whenever I've seen you, your two-headed giant partner is usually Ari. Yeah. I mean, he's my two-headed giant partner. So like if I want to play with or he wants to play with someone else for two-headed giant, we ask permission to, to each other because like, <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we have been playing... I mean, I think for last, uh, I mean, I have known him for 20 years. Uh, he's uh, one of my old friends and uh, we have been going to events for at least 10 years now. We have been going together and playing in those two-headed giants, etc. together. So uh, we usually, we, we get along good with each other. We understand uh, each other's mentality. So yeah, when we want to have some fun, we play together. Uh, so yeah he is like that and for last a few gps both him and i i think we have gone soft a bit we, we didn't play in the main events we played just like to add a giant some you know seals or drafts or stuff like that so sometimes i think in your life you need that because when there's too much competition in job 
uh, or stress, etc., uh, it's it's it can become good re uh, for relaxation. Of course, it's still some kind of competition, but it's much less stressful. There is nothing very big to lose. So. Cool. And what's one of the most uh, stressful competitive moments you've been in on the other on the the other side of the scale you like to chill out you play some two the giants but what's what's the other side of it like when when have you felt completely overwhelmed in a competitive magic match ah it's i think um the funny thing is like i like that stress a lot actually okay and it's like yeah and i do i like the adrenaline of the game like you know some people are adrenaline junkies they are making jump bungee jumpings and stuff like that right and that's for for me that's something like that like top eight matches etc if it's a stressful match for example i can give you this example uh, for me it's harder to make top eight uh, but when i make top eight i usually win that event or something like that because i I'm filled with adrenaline and it's a positive thing for me. So it really works for me. So I think my most stressful matches are uh, the win and in matches. Usually that. Okay. I mean, like, uh, and for me, uh, again, for some people, like for especially for US players, uh, they say something like, you know, that's the logic, but they say the second place is the first loser. You know, the top eight is usually not enough for their professional players. But for me, making a consistent top eight is, or like good yeah, uh, scores, good. is much important, uh, much more important for me. Like you can win in one event and lose in all others, or, you know, that's that's not as good as making consistently top eight or top 16 or something like that. So basically, if I'm in top eight, I'm quite happy with the score. And then I feel both that adrenaline and also relaxation so i it's not a bad adrenaline for me it's it's just like good motivation and uh, so my most stressful matches are usually like the win and in matches like in the gp i made when when i won it was stress-free for me but the <laughs> win and in match the last match was quite stressful and uh, maybe because of that i when i uh, passed that I, the, all the stress is gone, and uh, as I said, it it depends probably to the situation, but still, as far as I remember, one my most stressful match was uh, the last match of the Swiss rounds in GP Prague uh, in 2017, and it's because of that I think when you win or lose that match, uh, that part of the event is over. So you either made the pay or not, and then you don't have any more stress left because you had all your stress in that match for me. Uh, I think I that was you. my most stressful match. It's you, you've either made it or you haven't. Sorry, yeah, yeah. carry on. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, like maybe yeah, maybe we need to talk about, I mean, we, we're going to talk about GP Prague anyway, but I think it's a, it's a nice segue. GP Prague, that particular GP Prague, 2017, was an interesting one. I, of course, I, I was not there, but... I, I think it, if my memory serves correct, isn't that the GP that started off with the fire? Maybe, yes, yes. Maybe you can what? tell us tell us about it. Yeah, it was incredible. I mean, it was. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't. Of course, nobody was hurt, so it, I can say it was incredible. Uh, but uh, yeah, on Friday um, we had a 
big group of Turkish players. I mean, for us, it's big because like we were 10 players and normally it's not a bad number for you know, Turkish players to go to a GP because, you know, as you know, like South Africa, we are also a bit far from the events. So basically, we were a fun group. And on Friday, I had a friend who was relatively new to all this competitive magic and Grand Prix and etc. So he was, it was his first Grand Prix. And on Friday, we were waiting for an event like that. It was revised sealed, revised chaos sealed. So mm. we were excited about it because we were going to open revised tournament pack plus uh, two random boosters. And let's say it, the event was at 12. Uh, so we were there uh, waiting like probably 20 minutes before the event. And he told me that there was a smoke coming into the venue. And uh, just a few months before that, like not a few, maybe six months before that, I, we had something similar in Rimini and that was a show and there was music and there were like role play, uh, cosplayers doing stuff. So I really thought that it was something like that. And it was at rewards and stuff so that I, uh, there will be something like a Tezzeret and uh, there will be cosplayers <laughs> and it's part of the show, I said. And he said, are you sure? Are you sure? Because... People are a bit panicked and leaving the, you know, venue and, you know, the smoke is getting bigger and bigger. And I said, no, no, I, um, there is nothing. Don't have, don't be afraid because, you know, if there was something, we would hear an announcement. And then uh, at some point there was an announcement saying that everybody should leave in, you know, calmly manner because there was going to be something like a fire, etc. And he said, do you see? And and I said, still, it's part of the show. So I didn't believe it. <laughs> so, uh, and the pressure. if you were one of the, I mean, like probably the last people to leave, by the way, because he was listening to me because, you know, I was experienced, etc. Then I noticed uh, the stores uh, collecting their singles and in a very uh, you know, quick manner. At that point, I understood something was wrong because they were like collecting their expensive single yes we should really leave as well at that point as i said very few people were in the uh, place and then we started moving out and i a weird and funny thing happened it's because i said i have my jackets in the uh, lockers there was at that point there was something called vip room or something like that you were paying extra and you were getting an extra room and with lockers etc in the gps so i had my jacket in the locker in the vip room and i wanted it because it was cold you know it was uh, snowy it was let's say minus 10 degrees or something like that so i i just wanted to take my jacket and he said you shouldn't go there because there was fire just like 3 4 meters and I said, no, nothing will happen because, you know, I'll just pass because it's still a bit far and I'll go to that room and get my jacket. And he said it might blow up. The thing is, this guy has a chain of uh, restaurants. So basically he knows about, the, you know, kitchen and fire, etc. It's his it's part of his business. So I said, don't go. It might blow up. And I stopped and I said, turned to him and I said, what's going to blow up? I didn't understand. So at that point, it really blew up. And it's like the four meters behind me. 
and it was really the sound was terrible so i didn't hear for one day so uh, and i saw him waiting with the fire extinguisher like five meters in front of me and i said oh and started running to, towards him uh, because you know it blew up and afterwards i asked him what were you doing with the fire extinguisher i said i noticed that you were going so i just found the fire extinguisher there on the corner and i if you started you know burning i was going to extinguish so he was like that so it was funny and but in a in a yeah i can tell you that in a way he kind of saved my life because if he didn't say it's going to blow up if i didn't stop yeah i mean i could have partial burns or stuff like that so i was a bit stupid because that you know and then yeah that day we left and they said there wasn't going to be any event and uh, they will see if there will be an event or something like that on Saturday. Again, it was a bit funny afterwards because I insisted, what are we going to do with our revised chaos seals? And it was, a, I mean, I was terrible there, I guess. I understand it now because they said, D do you see that the hole is burning and uh, everything is closed, etc. We will compensate, don't worry, etc. And then uh, the next day, they emailed us, they, you know, they placed notifications on Twitter, etc. And they said they hired another hall and the event will start at like designated time or something like that. But of course, with the change of hall and etc., everything was a bit delayed. And there was some chaos, uh, of course, they tried their best, but still. And everything lasted longer and event started later so everybody was tired it was one of the advantages for me because it wasn't something so big you know there is a, an, a small explosion a fire etc it's like i mean it's not very normal but it's uh, compared to usually europeans it's much normal uh, much more normal at least for a turkish guy so i wasn't really yeah, yeah I, I didn't feel that, you know. I mean, you said, you said exa exactly like so, for a Turk or a, even an African, we're used to protests and you know, uh, yeah. explosion. Yeah, there it was normal for us. You're right. Yeah, yeah. So basically, everybody was a bit shocked, stressed, etc. And I think that was also very good. Uh, so it helped you with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it helped me because like, and everything was so delayed. Uh, like, for example, you know, the GP is usually end at like 7, 8 p.m., right? Our GP uh, on Sunday, uh, our final match ended around midnight, a bit later than midnight, actually. So mm -hmm. everything was late, like three to four hours. So uh, also people were very tired because of that. But with the extra adrenaline I had and, you know, not caring about the fire or explosion, uh, it helped me a little I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude, that's a that's a hell of a story. It's it's, a, it's just such a funny story, uh, and uh, the, the you know the way things unfolded, I guess. And uh, fortunately, no one was hurt. But uh, yeah, you you're onto the GP, and um, you know, sealed, which you've done many times before. And I, I guess you know, from what I know of you, you're, you're more of a limited specialist um, anyway. So you know, tell us how how seal unfolds and how you get into a position um, to make the winner in. Yeah, it's uh, basically, 
I had an okay sealed. I mean, like not an incredible sealed, but I, I, my commons and uncommons were quite okay. And I played like three or four rares, which is good, uh, but not incredible because I at like seventh, eighth, and ninth round I faced up with like incredible decks. But they made more mistakes, etc. So basically, I had uh, this kind of luck, like incredible decks with okay players, not very good players, let's say, and they made a bit more mistakes than me. So basically, it was that was part of my luck, not because of the deck. Uh, the pool was, as I said, let's say seven out of ten or maybe eight. Uh, but my opponents gave me a bit chance and I used it. So uh, I made eight one in day one because the last match I couldn't win. Uh, but uh, the next day I was in the first spot. So. I like the, those kind of pods because like those kind of pods is usually like people know what they are doing in drafting. So if you have good players around and if uh, they just uh, do the right things, uh, then you also know what you are. If you are okay with that draft, if you are uh, good um, in that particular set, uh, which I practiced a lot, uh, then I had a good deck and I made 2-1. And then another, like I think my second or third pod was the second pod, uh, draft was something like that. And funny thing is, I don't know how it happened, but in my last draft pod, I was the only green player, which is incredible. I mean, it's wow. okay for yeah. any club, you know. I was the only one, and I, like, I had two first picks in my one of the boosters, and I was so so unhappy because you know i had to leave it so and then that booster turned and i got the next uh, i mean ninth pick i got something like a first pick again because i was so yeah. unhappy that i left it but it was then i understood that i was the only green player and then uh, i made three o's uh, three o in that uh, second draft so uh, uh, I, maybe i was lucky with the green as well like in the second draft pod so these things can uh, happen but they have to if you want to win a gp or make something like this the, you need to yeah, i mean you have to be a good player you have to practice hard you have to play good etc but also you have to be lucky in these parts in some of them at least so that's what happened and uh, then uh, i was so happy with making top eight etc i don't care about winning or something I we had lots of fun and you know we were talking around etc and people were quite relaxed mostly and but a bit tired. Uh, I had another you know the final draft. So in the final draft, mm, I had a, a at the end of the draft I didn't draft so good. So I let's say I was the sixth best deck in the eight people draft. Uh, so mm -hmm. there were. I can say two worse, worse decks than mine. Uh, according to what I noticed, I saw, I uh, afterwards I uh, checked everyone's deck. I knew my opponent's deck uh, when I played after uh, after I played with them. I talked, but I also checked the other decks after the event as well. So, and the funny thing is, I, my final opponent, PV Paolo Vitor, had the best deck. In the I mean, by far <laughs> the best deck, and he was yeah, sitting on my. Good. Yeah, he, he was on my left, by the way. So I was passing him. So if he had, I mean, it could be my deck. So probably it was kind of my mistake because I passed him all the uh, removals, black and red stuff to him. And I made a green-white deck, which is 
yeah, not bad, but still, you know. Uh, so basically, how I won is kind of funny because like the first opponent I had had the other worst, one of the, you know, like let's say seventh or eighth deck in the table. So he had, that's the thing I was lucky about. So I had a bad deck, but he has the worst deck. And uh, as I said, I was very happy. I, I was full with adrenaline. So I was joking, talking, etc. in the draft, uh, you know, in the uh, table, in the match, which was, I mean, kind of natural for me because like I like doing that. I mean, it's not something that I do planned. I mean, like, uh, you know, not to distract my opponents, but it comes natural. So I don't have to use any extra CPU for that. You know, I just do it. I, I love talking in the game. So, and I was making jokes, you know, asking about him, etc. So, and I noticed uh, that, like, at that point, although he was away from us, PV said, can, I mean, also my opponent was doing it. We were having fun. Uh, and then PV said, yeah, can you be like a bit, you know, uh, silent because, you know, I'm feeling a bit stressed, a bit tired or something like that. Uh, we said sure, but we totally forget about it. Like two minutes later, because <laughs> we were having so much fun. And and although I didn't do it on purpose, but I noticed afterwards that he was also uh, not. Uh, he doesn't like that that much in in matches. So basically, the same thing happened in semifinals. And again, he asked. Of course, we weren't sitting close that much, but. He again asked, and yeah, we said, sure, sorry, and it still kept on because, you know, it's you and your opponent, uh, and it's a top eight match, and if you're having fun, if you're not really exaggerating, nobody says anything to you. I mean, the head judge said, yeah, sure, you can have jokes, etc., as long as yeah. you are both happy about it. And so, the, I mean, in the finals, I kept doing it, and, you know, uh, and then wait, I noticed... Wait. Wait, Jason. I mean, maybe we can hang on. Yes. So you've got. So you're in the finals now. You're in the finals, as you say, with maybe the clearly worst deck. Your opponent's got the best deck in the pod in the in the finals. Also it's happens to player. be the, probably the best player in the world uh, at, at at the time um, and and, yeah, now, yeah. and maybe he, the best player ever. Maybe the best yeah. player ever. To be fair. Yeah. Yeah, probably. And uh, and that year he became the player of the year for the second time. And, uh, you know, he won Pro Tour of Devastation. I was there and we talked afterwards. And funny thing is we talked in toilet because he was he he finished his semifinal matches. I was in the toilet. He came and we chatted like a few minutes. So it was funny. So basically, yeah, he was at that year, at least he was the best player of the uh, world. And the thing is, but unlucky for him, I was re- having really fun and I was really hyped up. I could play Magic for 10 more hours. And as we talked later, he was feeling down a bit. You know, he was very tired. Uh, let's say something like, I don't remember the exact thing, but he was, his head was a bit hurting. So he was not in his best at that point. And uh, my talking didn't help. So because the thing is, we have a funny story with him years ago, like let's say 15, 13, I don't remember, but let's say, yeah, 12 years ago, I think, in one of the worlds, at that time it was called Worlds Championship. And our team captain and he played feature match because it was a team feature match. 
And there were very funny moments because our team captain was a very funny guy. And he's a troll. So, I mean, uh, I don't know if it's the right word. He trolled him, PV. So he was just, PV was a bit younger. <laughs> and, you know, he made stupid jokes and PV didn't understand half of them. But, I mean, like, for example, he asked PV before they were, you know, they were preparing the cameras, etc. Uh, so they had time to talk. I was near them because I was the fourth player. So I was just, you know, uh, not playing the uh, team event, but just the uh, personal, the singles uh, event. So basically I was uh, sitting near him and he asked him, uh, like, for example, what's your name? Uh, Nimin, what's the meaning of your name? And he said, I don't know. I mean, it's Paolo, you know, and he said mine has a meaning because when we do something and uh, they give us names according to that, etc. You know, it's an Indian custom, which is which has nothing to do with Turkey, Turks or something like that. I mean, yeah, it has been like thousand years ago, maybe, but it's not like that uh, for like, let's say thousand years. And his main name really doesn't mean anything. So basically he did that. And then after that, he asked what's your occupation what are you doing to pv and he said at that point he was going up and he was starting to be a professional magic player and pv said oh don't you know me and uh, our guy i mean my team captain asked oh sorry should i know you are you uh, like a celebrity in magic or something like wait by the way he was he knew who pv was but he was doing it on purpose <laughs> it was fun so at that <laughs> point he, yeah it's pv was so he felt really bad. He said, no, no, no. I mean, uh, uh, it's nothing like that. I, I didn't know. Sorry. <laughs> so so he was doing things like that. So he, he had lots of fun. So in the finals match, I told him the story while playing, you know, and I told him he really knew you, but he did it on purpose because he was having so much fun, you know, and he, he is a bit shy. So he felt bad because he asked, you know, don't you know me, etc. Uh, so I told the story to him. He laughed, etc. But I didn't notice that I, I was confusing him, by the way. And because he's such a nice guy, I mean, and at least when we are playing, he was like that. So as far as I know, we played a few times and he was very nice. And because he didn't want to say, please stop or like we just want to let's only talk about the game <laughs> or something like that. He tried to keep up with me. I mean, he is definitely a better magic player than me but he cannot do that i mean like if you if you don't have that i don't know ability to play the game and also talk about gibberish at the same time or like stories etc you shouldn't do that in magic because like then it becomes harder to play the exactly the real game so but as i said it's natural to me so he also tried to do the thing and he started to you know talk with me and I think that was bad for him because he made a few mistakes, which we noticed and talked afterwards, and which is unexpected a bit because like yeah, everyone makes mistakes, but they were, these were like kind of obvious mistakes. And in the, I was 1-0, and then in the second game I was uh, losing because he just if he just attacked with everything, I was dead, you know, and he didn't want to because the thing I made was. Uh, just uh, at the beginning of my turn, I drew a card, which was a basic land. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is it. And, you know, something like that on my face. And I was so happy. And it, But then I said, oh, uh, sorry, that's so unprofessional. 
I shouldn't do that. And he just, you know, as he was a bit confused, he just thought I really drew something. And he didn't attack. And he wanted to make sure, you know, to play safe. And then the next turn, I really drew it. I mean, I really top deck this time, and he lost. And so basically, although I didn't do it on purpose, I loved doing it. I mean, like, kind of, I don't know the exact word, but overplaying or something like that, you know, PV. Unknowingly, but it was so much fun for me. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's a good memory. And it, it was good for the overall Magic career because then they invited me to like two Pro Tours more and I made a good score in one of them and so it became three. So it was kind of a good streak for me. So uh, it, it was a good memory. That sounds yeah. like the kind of magic I like to play, to be completely honest with you. I love talking with my opponents. I love cracking jokes. I love those fun mental games that aren't mental games, but are mental games. Like, just like I, I think it adds a fun level to the game. But I also I totally understand when your opponent is like, hey, man, I just need to think for a while. Do you mind keeping quiet? I try. I try to keep quiet. But I'm like you, man. Like, I enjoy having conversations with my opponents. Yeah, and it becomes at some point, maybe I wasn't like this always, but at some point you don't care that much anymore. I mean, like you don't get stressed that much because, yeah, I mean, like I won many nationals. I have been to around 20 pro tours. So uh, I believe at that point you don't care that much. I mean, you don't get stressed at least. And you have fun also. I mean, of course you want to win that match, but uh, adding some fun is like adding an extra sauce to the game, you know? It's uh, lovely. So uh, I wish uh, it was more common, but I noticed like in the these top eights, uh, especially GPs, uh, people are a bit more stressed. So uh, in PT, this I think I, I haven't been into PT top eight, but as far as I saw and talked to players, they are uh, more like this. But they they have they are more relaxed. Of course, it's the biggest tournament, but still, um, I think they. Usually, I mean, like five out of eight, uh, let's let's say something like that. The players in tapets and PT are professionals, so uh, they become uh, they they also feel more relaxed. They also don't have much to prove, I guess. Uh, but in GPs, usually in tapets, I believe people are more stressed, uh, the, okay. the non-professional ones. Because they want that win, they want to get onto the pro tour, they want to yes. chain it together. Kron, what yeah. were you going to say just now, bro? Yeah, I was... I, I, I mean, what really stood out for me, uh, when I, I... Before I knew you, I think we played somewhere. I don't know what, what event it was. And, and and it stood out to me that, you you know, you're one of those chatty people. As you just, you know, you didn't stop talking and, and I'll match as well. And I, I don't mind it. And I think it's quite... It's quite funny. But, you know, basically, think of, think of that guy at FNM who you play and is usually friendly and doesn't stop talking... That's useless. I imagine imagine doing that in a Grand Prix Finals against okay. Kiwi. And, and I mean, it's just so funny when you sit and think about it. Because I, I, I rewatched the, the 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 finals video uh, coverage, you know, just before we we started the call, just as a refresher. And yeah, it's it's clear that you're busy chatting away, and it's quite funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I 
I watched it like two years later, basically, and I noticed, I mean, watched once, but it was like kind of fast forward. So I really watched all the stuff after two years or something like that. And uh, I noticed that, yeah, it was one of the uh, most enjoyable uh, tapetes I have ever been. I mean, like I enjoyed myself a lot. And the thing is, uh, I had like four or five friends watching it and they were like, I not maybe that was also very important because like I saw that they were really very excited as well because like it was the first top eight for a Turkish player so they were feeling for you I mean like uh, the Turks are a bit sentimental you know not a bit actually we are very <laughs> sentimental so basically that's the thing you know it's the same for our football team or something like that so we are always like even I don't like soccer I root for the national team I mean I'm, I'm like sometimes losing myself uh, shouting I find it weird then why am I doing this so I noticed those guys watching me and you know uh, mm. supporting me there was also part of the thing so like you know it's for a let's say the the western world i mean like or the northern uh, they are calmer and they are i mean like if the guy already had nine pro tour champions from his country it doesn't matter if the guy uh, if his uh, friend or colleague made top eight in a gp but for us it was also important so i enjoyed it very much i mean like and just two weeks later, one of my friends made top eight in Utrecht. So it was incredible. So because I pushed him, I said, you see, I did it so you can do it. He wasn't coming. So uh, that was a successful year for Turkish Magic. Yeah, and I think it's, it's you, you, you know, in, in a way, it's, it's as you say, when, when you haven't done something or you haven't achieved something as a, as a country, um, it's it's this moment where people really get behind you and they want to see it because you're opening the door for everyone else, right? Like that's that's essentially what's happening is that you 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 once you've done once someone in does something, everyone's like, okay, well that guy did it. He's just like me, you know. We're pretty much the same countrymen. I can do it as well, you know. It's so I think it is a pretty significant moment. And and as you say, not not too long after that, you know, other people followed suit. Yeah, and, uh, you know, they feel like, which is quite logical for themselves. I mean, like, we played three weeks ago in FNM, and I won. Why? So he won a GP. So, you know, I can do it as well, which is good. Exactly. I mean, that guy's not that guy's not that good. I beat him at FNM. I'm sure I can win a GP as well, right? Like, that's, it's kind yeah. of, that's, kind of, that's kind of what people would probably say, right? Like, it, it's quite funny, yeah. That gives people hope, I guess. The thing is that, like, that can be the motivation you need sometimes. You know, like, I, I know this not just in magic, but in life. That's been, like, a big motivating factor for myself, like, is seeing other people do something and be like, you know what? I could probably do that. You know, like, like just like in stand-up comedy, you know, like, I see guys telling jokes, you know, it's like at the same clubs as me and they go up to Joburg and they do like a week long run at a big club. And I'm like, I'm as good as that guy. I can go do that. And then I do. And it's the same thing like with magic. When you see someone who you think is on your level or slightly above your level, you know, doing better than you, you go, wait, I can actually do that. Let me enter a GP. Let me see just how good I am. It can definitely be a big motivating factor to see the people around you succeed because it drives you to be as good as them.
Yeah, I totally I, I remember, yes. I, I remember when I started, there was a guy, um, I, so I started playing in, in a town, we both started playing in a, in a city called Durban in, in, in South Africa, and there was a guy, I mean, I remember Calvin, uh, uh, Bob, he used to always wear, yeah, he used to wear his World 98 to World 96, whatever, a magic shirt or whatever it was, and I used to always he, see that He might actually listen power. to this podcast, by the way. He hit me up uh, after I won the Africa Open series at Comic-Con. He sent me a message, so I think he might listen to this. Yeah, so Calvin, if, if you're listening to this, yeah, when, when I see you in that shirt, I still think, damn, I want to play at Worlds one day. So, yeah, I, I eventually did. And I'm sure that seeing that guy from my community doing that played a big part in giving me, I guess, belief uh, at that stage to to go on and hopefully, you know, achieve certain things. So, yeah. Yeah, like Calvin was that, that's the thing. Like, not just him, then after him, guys like you and other people would go to the Pro Tour. You know, once someone qualified for the Pro Tour, it was like, wait, you can do that? You can actually, one of us can do that? I remember when I made a top uh, Pro Tour top eight, and I was like, that was such a huge achievement for me, like, back in the day. And that's a, such a big motivating factor, like, for for Magic players, is just to see other people do it. Like you say, with Calvin, and then you became kind of that for South Africa, and I assume Yusuf is kind of the same for Turkey. I'm just hoping and planning, kinda. I mean, like, what what's gonna be our next GP? You know, I missed, really missed playing real Magic because I'm playing a lot in, uh, you know, Arena and online, Magic Online as well. And I'm so continuously playing Limited, by the way. It's terrible because, like, at some point I need to play Constructed as well, which I kinda don't like, you know. I mean, I love Limited. But constructed, I, I mean, it usually at some point, if you play as much as me, it repeats itself, which I don't like oh, because there are you know, lots, of, say, lots of combinations. Do, do you not like um, constructed at the moment or just in general? In general. I mean, I used okay. to, like, let's say 15 years ago, 20 years ago, I mean, like, I was kind of relatively, let's say, new. So I was still enjoying constructed. But now it's like, yeah, I have to play constructed for this tournament. Oh, I have to practice. Yeah, I, sometimes I enjoy the deck. Sometimes I enjoy the meta game. Uh, but the thing is, uh, as I explained, I mean, like for constructed, if you play 500 matches, then uh, let's say after 200 matches, it becomes automatic. Oh, now yeah. he will play this. I will do that. If he doesn't have it, I will win. If he has it, I will lose. So it's everything is, you know, written. But for limited, it's much harder. Of course, at some point, let's say at your 900 match <laughs> or maybe 1,000 something, it becomes the same. But it's much, much, much more. So like you can play 100 constructed matches and you become bored. And uh, then when you can play 1,000 limited matches and that at that point, it gets boring. But at that point, the new set already comes. And then there is the new limited. So basically, that's why I love limited. And then with constructed, that's the reason. You otherwise, I mean, like I like some formats. Like I, for the first time, I played Legacy. It was three years ago. It was a GP, by the way. Again, uh, Prague, two sixteen, I guess. Uh, Took four years ago. Sorry. And I was like, oh, it should be terrible. Why do people play Legacy at first? Then I played it and I loved it because it was old old standard for me. I mean, I played all those cards in 
my standard time. Yeah, of course, dual lens a bit tricky because I uh, I started at the end of revised, uh, but I saw them. I had dual lens when I started uh, in like first six months, let's say. But uh, for me, it was like fourth edition and afterwards. So basically all those decks, uh, all those cards I used are old standard cards, which was a lot of fun. And I liked it because like there are, I think there is more skill involved. Although there are very powerful cards, you always have some counter uh, plans for them. Uh, so I loved it, but still I, I, of, or, of course, I didn't have much experience with Legacy afterwards because, you know, I have to play in this event. So I practiced because of that. But other than that, I didn't. But still, if I played, let's say, 500 more Legacy matches, uh, I would get bored, you know, at some point. Uh, of course, with new sets coming, there are some changes, you know, like in Modern, in Legacy, now in Pioneer. But it's not enough. Maybe in Pioneer it's still a, a bit more enjoyable because it changes more. Uh, but I mean, like for Legacy or for Modern, it changes like let's say 10%, 15%, 5%. And at, yeah, it's enjoyable for some time. Then it becomes boring again. It's for me. I mean, if you don't play as much as me, it's definitely enjoyable. But I'm like, when I start playing a lot, I mean a lot, like, uh, when I'm because of this virus, I'm at home playing a lot of uh, you know arena and online. I'm playing like 12 hours uh, per day. So it's, when I'm doing my job, I'm also playing. When I'm watching a series, I'm also playing. When I'm on telephone uh, talking about business, I'm also playing. So um, normally I'm not that multitasking, but with magic, it's it becomes easy for me. So wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like, could, if I like, play... I can multitask a little bit when I'm playing Magic. Like, I can listen to stuff. I can ingest that. I can write a little bit sometimes, you know, like... But I can't imagine... Like, I can talk to some people on the phone, but I can't imagine taking a business call. I can't imagine doing, like, actual work whilst playing Magic. That's crazy. I mean, it. it's... I think at some point you start playing from your spine. I don't know if it's the right word. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your subconscious. You know, you, yeah, yeah, you don't just think about it. You just do it because you already did it like 25 times before. So it starts automatic. The uh, The worst thing that can happen is in Magic Arena, it taps the wrong lens. So yeah. that's, that's the worst thing, I think. Because otherwise, uh, it's almost, I mean, of course, you lose, let's say, 10% from your uh, total uh, in Magic. Uh, maybe 20, I don't know. But it's still good enough. I mean, you are, if you're not playing the you know, very important tournament in top eight or something like that. If you are playing a draft or something like oh, a Rita, sealed yeah. deck. Yeah. And it's quite doable. And it's it's weird. I'm For me, if I'm not playing Magic and if I'm playing something else, I feel bad, which is <laughs> kind of weird. You know, like I feel like I'm betraying like my <laughs> girlfriend or something like that. It's <laughs> That's funny. I mean, have you have you seen? I mean, I know you said you haven't been playing standard, but have you been like following um, what's been happening and constructed with the, <laughs> the, the the release of all these companion cards? No, not really. I mean, I saw okay. some like like Smart some man. people uh, posting some stuff, but I did. I really don't know. I mean, like I just know a few cards are in standard now, like those companions. The two one guy, I don't. Name I don't remember names of cards. That's bad. But uh, lupus something I think. 
you know, that, yeah, that that guy is, I think, in standard now, which is, I mean, maybe it's fun. I mean, I, at some point when I, when I need to practice standard, I will do that. Like, for example, this season I'm playing a lot of limited in arena. I try to qualify for mythic, you know, and then yeah. the uh, finals, the uh, day tournament will be standard, right? So basically, I have to. I mean, like, if I do mythic and if I qualify, I will just practice uh, standard then, and I will, maybe I'll ask for you know deck recommendations from you. So. I'm actually in that phase this week because I haven't played for the last week. Well, I haven't played standard for the last week because it's yeah, it's a bit of a mess at the moment. But there's a Red Bull Untapped uh, event. I think it's coming up this weekend. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna start like doing that with standard this week. And like I was kind of hoping that there would be like a ban today, you know, and then I wouldn't have to worry about that and we could just get into a fresh format. But yeah, I'm looking at it now where I'm gonna have to learn which companion deck I want to play. And it's probably going to be a Yorion deck, but we don't have to discuss that. How has the current, um, yeah, the current set been treating you limited-wise? You Have you got to Mythic? For the current set, no. I mean, like, I started, like, uh, playing the current set, like, 15 days ago in Arena, I guess. And it's, at the moment, I'm becoming Diamond. And then, yeah, I mean, if everything goes okay in like uh, three, four days, maybe a week, I'll be mythic because I played more uh, Magic Online than Arena this time because like there Fair were enough. these super qualifiers in Magic Online, yeah. which you know if make top two, you go to Pro Tour plus stuff, etc. So I, although the worst thing is like uh, usually at your second or sometimes third loss. You don't have anything to play anymore. It's 10 rounds uh, or 9 or 10 rounds. So it takes a lot of time, especially it's like if you lose at like 8, 9 or 10 rounds. Those are if you get yeah. your, uh, yeah, that's terrible. But still, uh, it seems good, you know, like there are 300 players. And if you make top two, you go to Pro Tour, which is quite good. Uh, I'm playing those, uh, actually. And there were showcase uh, qualifiers as well. They also qualify you to PT. So I'm playing more, and let's say I'm playing eight hours of Magic Online, three, four hours of uh, Magic Arena. And between the rounds, actually, you know, 350, 300 players, tournaments, they are very long with rounds you use all the time, usually, because there are at least a few tables going on. So if I finish fast, then I go and draft in Magic Arena. And then, uh, you know, my match starts, and then I keep playing the uh, Magic Online. So... (laughs) I think people listening are about to be like, because like, you know, be like, how do I get as good as Yusuf? And then they hear that and they're like, okay, I'm just never going to be that good because they just never going to play that much. That's so much magic. Like I, that's more than a, that's more than a full-time job playing magic. It (laughs) is sometimes. I mean, I, when I have my stores open, I have three stores uh, by the way, and I'm distributor for, Four big companies, including Konami, Games Workshop, uh, Italy, and oh, McFarlane. Nice. We, we lost McFarlane this year, so three. Uh, basically, my whole day is with the business. But uh, in in between, when I have a little time, I 
play Magic, and it's it's enjoyable for me. I mean, like I love playing limited. As I said, if it was constructed for me, it would be oh, it's like you know a job I don't like, but I have to do. But for this, uh, for limited, it's like oh, it like eating chocolate for me. So basically, mm-hmm. that's the it's thing, you know. Yeah, it's a treat. But- and. Yeah, uh, with this current situation, they can do it. I mean, they can, let's say, play. If they are not working, they can play eight, nine, ten hours of Magic, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's just got a kind of a different result because when you play that much, I assume you win quite a bit. Whereas if someone else starts out playing eight hours of Magic, they they might feel slightly worse off than you do. But if their win rate's a bit higher, I can imagine, yeah, definitely go for it. Because have you found uh, Magic Online to be a good place in terms of EV? And not very bad, not very okay. good. It's it's okay. it's just it's just good enough. I mean, like, yeah, I can usually go on without spending much. But I even I do sp- I I do have good uh, results. I mean. Not bad uh, overall uh, results, but uh, still, I, I'm spending some. I mean, like, okay. uh, and sometimes it's like, you know, it's, I know that I'll go, I make seventh win in that 10 round tournaments and I'll get some, you know, uh, tickets, I mean, like play points. But the thing is, at that point, when you get that loss and you don't make top eight, so you don't go to Pro Tour or, you know, then you, you, me, I mean, I shouldn't do that, maybe, but I drop because I'd say, okay, I don't care. I mean, like, because uh, I don't want to, you know, get 450 play points and 20 treasure chests. Of course, it's good for my next, uh, you know, event or yeah, yeah. value, but, but it's uh, not worth your time, basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you, you, you just kind of lose time. You can do the next qualifier event or like, play for mythic in arena or like you know it's i mean my goal is i don't care really much about uh, at some point it's usually for most of the players that plays as much as me or you know do stuff like that uh, so you don't care about those tickets those play points that much uh, and uh, then you go your goal is uh, you know going to pt you know making okay. a good score there etc so uh, that's the thing so uh, because of that, I have to uh, at that point spend, and I also don't like to sell my cards much because I try to keep four of each, uh, you know, so that I don't know when will I go and play the standard or you know maybe modern or pioneer because sometimes that card you don't sell, uh, you don't keep and sell for like zero point zero something tickets, then, then it's, it's used in some form. Yeah, and then you need to buy that at, again, and so. I keep four of each at least, and then I just uh, get into the next tournament. So uh, that's one of the things. Sometimes I drop at the sixth, seventh round, fifth round of the 10-round tournament because I calculated and it's impossible to make top eight with my score at that point. So I keep going like that. But of course, it's not economical. I mean, like, but then again, there's time. Time is also money. So basically... Like it completely depends on it completely depends on your goals there, but like yeah, yeah, definitely. That's the thing. I mean, that's quite interesting to hear because if you wanted it to be an EV based thing, you could just keep playing those next two rounds. But you're like, I would rather the EV of qualifying for a PT is way higher than getting your free entry to another 
thing, but it's another two rounds. It's another two hours out of your life, essentially. And you do that 10 times, it's 20 hours gone. So instead of doing that, you're like, cool, I can play another four qualifiers in that time or another three qualifiers in that time. That's that's a very interesting way to look at it. I'd never even exp- like thought of things like that, but that's that's very interesting. But how, how are things going? Are you qualified for the next uh, PT or what, what is it called these days? It is a PT again. Hey, it was again, again, it's still, yeah, players tour. So it's PT again. Uh, no, I, the, the thing is, yeah, I'm trying Magic Online, but in real life, the thing is we have, you know, store qualifiers. The yeah. worst, the worst thing is you cannot play in your store, own store qualifiers. So uh, there are, let's say four <laughs> or three, depending on the uh, season, uh, or my, sometimes one store qualifier. And in like 75% of the store qualifiers, I cannot play because I'm the organizer. So basically that sucks. Uh, I mean, but it's quite correct. I mean, I mean, I, it should be like that, but I feel bad about it sometimes. And, uh, but I'm trying from, that's why I'm trying from Magic Online or Again, a bit from arena as well. I made some semifinals, finals, but uh, I couldn't do it in uh, the local PTQs. I'll try more. I mean, if there wasn't Corona thing, I was going to try the surrounding countries as well, like Greece, like Bulgaria, etc. But I planned for some things. But then uh, this thing came up and, you know, we canceled everything, all the trips, all the vacations, all the magic, uh, you know, trips. But uh, I'm planning. I mean, like, uh, if it goes away a bit, if it's uh, safer to travel at some point, like probably uh, after the summer, I'll just try uh, other uh, locations as well. I'm just uh, waiting for them to, you know, uh, declare the uh, local PTQs because they're also good opportunities. The Grand Prix is of course much harder because you have to top eight in like 1500 players but there are some local ones with 35 40 50 players which is quite a lot easier than top eight in a gp yeah i I mean like it's funny because like what you're talking about and your your magic online um i guess approach is very similar to mine and and um you know i I, like you value my time and i'll often drop uh you know when i know i can't make it and and as a result, uh, you end up going into, you know, you lose you lose that where you you know that EV where you know you're gonna probably you know six three seven three whatever the record is and get get your money back and then some some exactly the same and end up you know as a result end up having to put some money in um, because of that I mean limited playing limited on Magic Online is the most EV negative thing you can do um, <laughs> if 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 EV was your goal then it's you just play the challenges right like. The challenges yeah. you play constructed and that, that's like super good EV. Yeah, like, like any of them, you play all of them. Twenty well, it's you pay your entry fee and you pay twenty dollars to buy the deck. Like I've literally done that before. Like it's amazing, and you just yeah, it's the challenges are good EV if you do well, but the limited stuff, like you say, drafts are not. Uh, even if you are winning a lot you're still not going to do that well when it comes to um, Magic Online. Definitely, yeah. I agree. And my, in also in my condition, there's something like this. Uh, if I go to Pro Tour and if I can make a good score, then it's good for my sales. Uh, so the stores, uh, like it happened in Prague and in like oh. 
for yeah for three months almost for two to three months our sales at least doubled so it's like almost winning a pt almost i mean like better than definitely better than winning a gp definitely i mean like if there was an option like uh, you choose this option let's say okay uh, you are going to win a gp and but you'll not get any money and instead you have to give like the first prize to us and uh, nobody will know it okay then it's uh, probably uh, more profitable for me because think about it i have those three stores uh, doubling or sometimes tripling their sales is incredible for us um, you know like 200 oh, okay. more times sales so i mean but that's one of the reasons uh, business wise that's one of the reasons i really don't care about the other ev so going to pt making a good score incredible for us i mean like as i said we are sentimental yeah. people, so people will come will visit will buy more stuff will play in the tournaments more much more and like let's say my tournaments were like 40 50 people uh, before the prague and then afterwards our uh, priorities went up to like hundreds or like uh, no, local tournaments were like instead of 20 something it became 40 something for some time because people get hyped and they want to play they want to do it etc so it of course at some point it goes back to normal but at that high point like two to three months it's quite good for the business so yeah so, so you're essentially investing by by putting in all the time online. You're actually kind of investing back into your stores in a weird way. Like it's good yeah. PR if you do well. It is. It is incredible PR. And the thing is, like it's really morale boosting for the community. Even if you make day two, it's something. If you make like uh, money, in the money finish is quite good. And, you know, and I'm bad at sharing that much, but of course I have, luckily, uh, I have friends uh, coming with me. So they do share the stories and, you know, the pictures and the scores, etc. more than me. Uh, I'm a bit, they call me boomer, you know, like, uh, they, <laughs> yeah. So I'm a bit, I know the stuff, but I'm sometimes a bit, you know, slow and that thing. And then, so basically when we do that, uh, even when we uh, go to a GP with a crowd and a few guys uh, make day two, even that's good for morale because then uh, still, although it was, it's not like 90 to 10, I mean 90% to 10% competitive, it's changed like 50-50 in Turkey now, still the competitive, uh, there are lots of competitive players and they want to see good results. So they'll have a reason to, uh, or, uh, you know, a goal to play in the game, to stay in the game, so to play. So that's something uh, that's quite motivating for the community. Of course, it's also, you know, a kind of vacation for me. So it's all together. I like, you know, if you make a good score, it's great. If one of your friends make a good score, it's still very good because it's good for the community, which means it's good for me. So it's uh, it goes like that. I hope it's still... Uh, works in the you know 2020 late 2021 uh, because it, with this virus also and with the economy going bad i don't know if we'll be able to uh, go to gps that much but hopefully you know people will find a way or new people will come so uh, we'll see all right well yusuf i think we're gonna 
we're gonna wrap this up. Uh, wrap this up now. It's been great, but I, yeah. I I need you to 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 share with us maybe one thing. As long as I've known you, you've always insisted that Turkey has the most beautiful woman and has the best food you'll find anywhere. Would you like to? Tell our listeners why why that's the case and, and why they need to come to Turkey to see these things. <laughs> okay, about about women, the thing is like I'm very local, by the way. Like I, I like the uh, you know I'm all you know usually people are uh, looking for something that they don't have. Like for example, uh, the Turkish men uh, love the you know blonde women because you know it, the population has like let's say five percent blondes, so they are looking for or like they say I don't know in Sweden. They don't uh, like that blonde woman that much because everybody is blonde, you know. But for me, it's not like that. I like the uh, local stuff a lot because I'm like, you know, I'm used to it. Maybe local I'm local cuisine. Yeah, the local cuisine for everything. So about <laughs> the food, yeah, for for women, I th- I can tell you that. And then they, uh, I'm, the habits, the culture, etc. It's good for me. But uh, for the cuisine, I'm even more, you know, sure of this because when I explain it, it's very simple actually. Because like you know, it's uh, the Ottoman Empire was one of the biggest empires in the world, so in the whole history. So basically, and uh, as Turks love food, like definitely the Sultan loved it. So they took every possible food combination, different kitchens from different parts of the world. To the palace and to the local cuisine, they added it. So basically, uh, and that also sometimes causes problems. Like for, we are very good friends with Greek players in Magic, but we usually have this discussion. They say, "Oh, this is Greek food," and we say, "No, it's Turkish food." Oh, yes, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, it's and you know I say no, definitely it's you know like that, and they say no, and the thing is, so we took all this food from all around the world, uh, so the the places they conquered, and then uh, basically we kept it at least let's say 90% of it, 80% of it. So the local cuisine has I, I don't want to exaggerate, but over thousand different delicacies. So we have many many different kind of food with like different meat stuff different vegetable stuff this this, this hundreds of different of uh, kinds of uh, you know salads everything so basically that's the reason that's the thing that i'm insisting like because i like trying the local cuisine when i travel and i traveled over like 25 countries and i could never see that much different kind of food in Anyway, like, yeah, the Italians are good at pasta, for example. But, yeah, it's just, you know, those those stuff. So we I, do have... I do have to ask, though, have you been to South Africa? No, I, I want to. I mean, at some point... Uh, okay, plan- I don't know if we're on a, that level of a thousand different delicacies, but our story is similar in a very different way in that we've got a large variety of food here because of indentured labor, because of colonialism, because of, you know, recent history. But I think you will enjoy coming to South Africa and enjoying the variety of food on offer here because we also have a wide mix of cultures that have come together over like the last 400 years, but more the last 100, 200 years and really created some really interesting and unique culinary, like, delights but I, I i haven't been to turkey so i don't know like i'm you're making me so excited but you should definitely come to south africa because you need to try bunny chow what's like the main turkish delicacy that we should try out oh it's different for everyone everyone likes something else but <laughs> 
for me, I mean, the, it's uh, what's the name in English? I'm I'm love I love it. So it's like, do let's see. I'll just Google it and translate it in English. So I don't know if you have it. Uh, mine is, uh, you know, that's classic doner kebab. You know, that's 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 not it. The main Turkish delicacy for me is I'm just googling it. It's <laughs> it doesn't have a single word. It's just <laughs> definition. It says stuffed vine leaves, which has, okay. uh, you know, it has some kind of uh, there are different versions. There is the uh, hot, you know, cooked version, which is uh, stuffed. There is the meat inside it and there is the leaves uh, and then there is the uh, oiled version of what do you call it let's see right. stuffed olive thingies it's also have it's filled but it has uh, it's uh, the it, it, you can eat it cold you know and uh, i love those stuff but you know that those are you know lo- from local cuisine uh, those are uh, it's called in turkish it's yaprak sarma it definitely means you know stuffed vine leaves but okay uh, so basically i love that but as i said everybody loves something else i also for example i love the food with eggplants i mean young generation usually doesn't like that much eggplants but we use a lot of eggplants in our uh, local cuisine uh, you know you can use it with 100 different kinds of food uh, but as i said i'm a bit classical and that's why they call me like boomer or stuff you know but yeah <laughs> Oh, you managed to get this working, so you're not that much of a boomer. So thank you very much, Yusuf. Thanks. Like, I'm stoked to finally got to meet you. Uh, like, I watched that video earlier, and it was pretty pretty fun to watch you beat PB. And just, yeah, hearing your stories all the way from Turkey, to hear some of the similarities, to hear the differences, it's been fantastic. So thank you for your time. Thanks a lot. It was pleasure for me. And uh, I also uh, noticed that I missed Kiran. Uh, so it was very good to hear both of your voices and <laughs> hopefully we will meet soon at some GPPT, you know. Yeah, hopefully see my friend. Thanks for joining us and um, yeah, hopefully see you soon. Thanks. See you soon and stay safe, stay healthy, you know. Thanks, Yusuf. Cheers. That was the MTG Sharks podcast. You can find us on Twitter at MTG Sharks and find us on Facebook at MTG Sharks or Sharks MTG. I can never remember which one. Either way, stay safe, stay sane. We are out.